Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, listen up. This is the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Miss Kelly Furniture, Mississippi's number one, number one sleep store. Uh, we'll talk to Tom Luganville about how and why Kirby Smart runs college football now. And uh, he's taken that away from... The mighty Nick Saban and Alabama Crimson Tide. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Uh, brought to you by American-made Tito's Vodka, Briarwood Wine and Spirits. Pick up some Tito's Vodka for the weekend. Please drink responsibly. show is also presented by Fleetway Market with over 25 locations in Mississippi. Fuel up at Fleetway Market. Don't forget about the Market Cafe in Gluckstadt. This is ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Um, our guests join us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. This is, uh, this is Kirby Smart explaining why they've dominated college football. We have a saying around our place, we eat off the floor. And if you're willing to eat off the floor, you can be special. Tom, why do you think Alabama's not willing to eat off the floor? Oh, Alabama's willing to eat off the floor. <laughs> what the, what, let me tell you what happened, though, is when Kirby got to Georgia, Every corner he looked around, something wasn't happening that was happening at Alabama. So he had to go in there and say, hey, guys, you know, Alabama's got this. Clemson's got this. We had this at Alabama. We had that at Alabama. You want to beat Alabama, you got to play with the same deck of cards. And at the end of the day, that's, that's ultimately what it came down to. I mean, we're talking about manpower, staffing. Uh, recruiting budget, facilities upgrades, uh, all kinds of stuff that was lacking at a place like Georgia, and you'd say, no way. How can that be? How can that be? But it was. Now it's not now. So now that they've got all of those sorts of things, they can compete with anybody in the land. And when he says we've got to be willing to eat off the floor, essentially what he's saying is you've got to be that hungry, right? You have to be that starved. For success to be willing to eat off the floor and can he keep it going after two shiny national championship rings can they keep the edge in the offseason Saban's fought that for the last 14 years or so um Tom Luganville national college football analyst with ESPN he joins us on the Farm Bureau insurance guest line I also think that uh Saban went too far on the offensive side of the football Tom 
Um, I very much understand what he did with Kiffin and Sark. And it was the right move to a certain extent. But what you have to tip your cap to with Kirby is he's still ground. He's playing 2011 Alabama football and he's playing it and winning championships. They'll still, they're still smash mouth football with the ability to play action and get you downfield after they wear you down. Yeah. And he also rests his defense more. I just wonder if they tuned up that offense too much and went away because Alabama no longer has a dominant running game and Georgia does Luke's. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I think Alabama kind of had to play to their personnel, uh, particularly last year. And the personnel told, and the last, really the last two years, the, the personnel told them that were better in the passing game than they were in the run game. So let's focus on that. So how do you fix that? How do you get back to that? Um, I, I think it's through recruiting. And listen, everybody's going to miss in recruiting, even Alabama, okay? They're going to miss too. Georgia's going to miss. The best of the best are going to miss. Um but there seems they're, – they're, after Evan Neal departed from Alabama, that's when you started to kind of see that they weren't quite the same football team up front, right? They, they didn't have the same depth. They didn't have the same quality of play. And I think it took away from their overall physicality in terms of, to your point, what their demeanor is or what they want it to be or what it had been since Nick Saban arrived there and they've got to get, they've got to get back to that now i will say this i think there will be hyper focus on the run game particularly early because they've got to break in a new quarterback and the same could be said for georgia i would think tommy reese is going to go with a more a, just a little bit more smash mouth approach i mean i think saban gets that that they went away from it and Kirby embraced it. Said, "No, no, no. We're we're going to still win like the 2011 way, which I think is is brilliant in the end, even though it's not as high flying and fun as the Kiffin Sark stuff." At uh, and maybe Kirby, because he was there, realized, "Hey, man, you can't run my defense like this." And it's fun to always want to score in three plays, but uh, we're gonna. We're going to grind it out some so that in the fourth quarter, we've just absolutely physically whipped you. Your thoughts? Well, I think the one counter to that would be Georgia has not been dynamic in any way, shape, or form at quarterback under Kirby Smart. No doubt. And the last two to three, yeah, the last two to three iterations of Alabama, they've been really dynamic. So that in and of itself changes your philosophy, right? That, that just, that part of it, put you in a position where you know you can do some things on offense that, you know, uh, a Jake Fromm is never going to be able to do. So I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Too. Okay, hang now, on. Think about this, Let me right? jump in. But, but what yeah. does that say, Lukes, when the most talented quarterback, in my opinion, that Alabama's ever had, as far as throwing the football, in Bryce Young, even more so than Tua, I believe, uh, the most talented QB couldn't win the national championship. And yet, Georgia's over here winning with a walk-on that most people thought would be playing at North Central Florida Community College. Yeah, right. That tells me that they didn't recruit the quarterback position very well. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, your walk-on's beating out your scholarship guys. What, 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 does that, what does that tell you? And let's not forget, when they signed Justin Fields, they were coming off of a totally unexpected national championship appearance. So what are you going to do, Ben Shake from? 
I mean, give me a break. I mean, the timing of that was so bad for Georgia and for Justin Fields. And then obviously it worked out for both, for both program and player as they, as they parted ways. Um, but that, that I'll, I'll be the first one to say, and I could be way off base here, um, but I was not a Carson Beck fan coming out of high school. Um, I thought Brock Grant, Grant of uh, Vandergriff, excuse me, had some ability, but he played at a really, really low level of competition at a private school. And I just wasn't, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the drop-off is going to be. Now that whoever the quarterback is, is going to have really good players around. Him. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of the success that these quarterbacks are likely going to endure well, because they're going to have personnel around them. Right. Where I was going is it's an indictment on Alabama that they couldn't win with their most talented quarterback in the history of their program. And I think it's because yeah, they've lost that. that toughness. Now, I don't know if the Scott Cox, sometimes we make too much of losing valuable people in an organization. Uh-huh. And sometimes I think we're, we're spot on. You know, I don't know if losing Scott Cochran really took that edge, that toughness, that because they, your 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 strength and conditioning guy spends more time than anybody else with the team. Sure. I don't know, but I know this: they they haven't been as intimidating, they haven't been what they need to at the line of scrimmage, and they hadn't been able to rip off two hundred and twenty yards on the ground when they need to, especially playing really good teams. That tells me something, Luke. I would say this, though, if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, that game, if you, do you remember how that game began? Do you remember how that thing started? And Georgia could not, they could not double-team Jamison Williams. True. And Alabama was going up and down the field on him. All of a sudden, he goes down the whole entire game, James. True, true. And so that, that was a component, not to take away from Georgia, but people forget how that game started and oh, the yeah. struggles Georgia was having on defense to match up. But, you know, you use the term indictment, and I, I, fair or unfair, that's the position this program has put themselves in. No matter what they do now, everything's going to be uber-scrutinized, right, over-scrutinized. They're going to take undue criticism that wouldn't be applied to most programs because, and I've said this to you before, we become so conditioned to seeing a program like Alabama make it look easy that when there's one flaw or something doesn't quite go right, it's so over-magnified with them way more than it is for anybody else. I mean, look at what happened to Clemson not just two years ago, but last year. Do you remember when they started off, what, they saw four and five? or No, uh, no, 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 no. No, they were, they were four and three two years ago. They ended up finishing ten and three. They're four and three. You would have thought the, the end of the program, it was over. The program was done. <laughs> Clemson was – it was over. Well, does anybody – if they start off four and three six years before that, is anybody freaking out? No. Right. So you become a victim of your own success. And in today's climate, Bo, with social media and the access that fans and boosters and alumni and critics and, and the media and everybody has to voice their opinion about your program, it just, to me, it gets over-magnified. Now, that's the nature of the business. But they, for all the success that an Alabama has, they also take far more criticism than they're due. True. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it. After a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. And I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. 
And that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Tom Luganbill, ESPN on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. All right, let's switch gears to a first-year head coach, Zach Arnett. By the way, when you get to spend some time with him, I think you'll really, really like him. Um, And I think he's made some really good moves with hires of David Turner, Will Friend, Greg Knox, veterans in the SEC. Uh, But there's going to be a learning curve. It just just happens. Uh, Now, one good thing is Leach allowed him to, to run a huge piece of the puzzle within a big SEC program for three years without messing with him whatsoever. So that, I think that is one of anything to do with it. That's right. (laughs) Talk about what a fourth year quarterback starter, how that helps with Zach Arnett's transition as a first year head coach, knowing that Will Rogers has seen it all and done it all. And he's one on the road at Auburn. He's one on the road at A&M and he's one on the road at Ole Miss, which is pretty damn impressive at state and Ole Miss type programs. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't even know if you can really put it into words how important that is for a first-year coach. I think the the greater examination is going to come when we see how vastly different the approach is offensively. And do you have the personnel to do what you want to do and be what you want to be? You know, this is a, a program that didn't institute a tight end. Well, Kevin Barbet is going to have tight ends at some point, you know. And so how quickly can the scheme get acclimated to the personnel? And can they do or be what they want to be immediately right off the bat? Or is that going to take a transfer portal cycle, a recruiting cycle or two to get some pieces of the puzzle in there? But from a, a, a launch point, when you played that much football at the quarterback position, and I, and I understand it, it's, it's the air raid and a lot of people feel like it's overly simplified and it's very quarterback friendly and it's, it's plug and play. But when you've seen the things that they've seen, I mean, think about how many rush three, drop eight they've experienced. Like, think about all the different types of windows that he's had to throw into because of the offensive system he was in. Well, what if all of a sudden the picture becomes a lot clearer for a quarterback that's seen just about everything because now there's an attempt to run the football, you have to add more people to the box, and now the picture beyond that in the secondary isn't quite as cloudy. I think that's going to be something that he's going to be super excited about. I do, too. I do too, uh, and I think they're they're bringing back some guys like Tulu and Justin Robinson, guys that they haven't had out there. Um, you know, Mullen did amazing things. Uh, the one thing he couldn't do is is recruit wide receivers, and then Moorhead was a disaster, and then now you, you've got some things rolling um, with with this new group. So, having said yeah. that, as far as his you know, he's called plays the last three years. How difficult do you think any, any promoted from within a guy named Matt Brock? 
How difficult do you think it'll be for Zach Arnett to not get in there and call plays moving to the head coaching position, Luke's? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, think, um, I think you know right off the bat if you're, when you decide that you have the opportunity to become a head coach, you have a feeling inside that I'm either going to call plays or I'm not going to call plays, right? And I think that as a head coach, particularly an early first-year head coach, he's got to make sure he's got the pulse of the program, like that he's got his fingers on that, that he is dialed into every nook and cranny and every detail because ultimately he's not just responsible for the defense anymore. And I think in many ways that helps you remove yourself from that urge to play call, right? Because, you know, and, and this is just me, I think, you know, there's, there's lots of head coaches that can do it. There's some head coaches that, that uh, struggle with it. But to me, at the end of the day, I think his number one priority in game, he's got to manage the game. Like right. he's got to be, he, that, that comes way before calling plays. We can call plays all we want, but, you know, timeouts versus non-timeouts, you know, end of the quarter, end of the half, all, you know, that's the thing. Uh, personnel groupings, getting your kicking game on and off the field. I mean, there, there are so many things that he's going to be responsible for now that I think kind of will detach him from that maybe desire. And, and, I, and I could be way, way wrong, but as a first-year head coach, as a defensive guy, if you hire people that you trust and you let them coach, is he going to have input? Of course he is. He's, I mean, it's, it's, that's, just, that's just the nature of the business. Um, but I bet he has input on offense and then he's going to have input in the kicking game and in recruiting. So I think that – I think it's actually somewhat healthy sometimes to step away with that and really focus on all of the things now that you're in charge of that you never had to deal with before. Okay, let me go to the defensive side of the football. They made this big run where they had NFL players for 10 or 11 years under Mullen, and it trickled over to Moorhead. They weren't his guys, but it with Jeffrey Simmons and Montez and Jonathan Abram and so on. And then they were void of that for a couple of years. Um they they had some DBs, but I'm talking about up front where things happen. Now, walk me through what it means for Mississippi State for the first time in at least three years, if not four, for them to have Jaden Crumity, Travion Williams, yep. John Lewis. These are guys, for the first time mm-hmm. since Willie Gay left, they actually have guys that are NFL caliber that could be, you know, in the first two to four round picks whenever they're eligible, and what that means yep. for a defense, Luke. Well, it means a heck of a lot too, because two of the three guys you just mentioned there are upperclassmen, right? And and have and have played and have played a lot of football. So, um, you know, John is a registered sophomore, I believe. Um, but I think that whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's through graduation and, and guys uh, playing their extra COVID year, that that's invaluable, man. I mean, you see you see some look at what's happened in college football the last two to three years, and I and I think it, this applies to a lot a lot of football teams. Like, as teams have gotten older because of the extra year of eligibility, like, everybody's gotten better. Like, it's almost like – you remember the old days where you used to redshirt everybody no matter what? And guys, you know, they stayed for four or five years. Well, we've kind of gotten back to that a little bit because of the extra COVID year. So, I think the more upperclassmen you have, like, like they've got and, – and you've got to – I mean, you've got, what, Jack Harris, Jordan Davis. Uh, both of those guys are either redshirt seniors or grad transfers. True. Um, this is this is a really, really uh, old group, if you will. And generally, older, more exposed, uh, uh, experienced players make fewer mistakes and play better football. 
That's true. Bookie Watson and Jet Johnson are both fifth-year guys. That's a lot of fifth-year. Jaden Cromedy, fifth-year guy. Nathaniel yeah, Watson, Purvis, redshirt senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jet Johnson, as you mentioned, grad guy. I mean, Deshaun Page, redshirt senior transfer. I mean, that's a lot of that's that's an old group, man. You don't see that. The Zach Arnett pulls a, I mean, you always do in the West, but a really difficult three game stretch of, of conference games. You know, you always want to get that first conference win period, regardless of what year you are, but especially first year head coach Luke. So they play LSU at home. They'll be an underdog. They go to South Carolina. They'll be an underdog. Not, but maybe not by much, but they will be an underdog. And then they play Bama at home. Yeah. Um, and they will be an underdog. Okay, so South Carolina plays Georgia the week before. Okay, so Mississippi State plays LSU the week before they go to Columbia. Uh, tell me what you think about the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer in 2023 because we, we don't play South Carolina much. Just your thoughts there. Neither team here. Uh, I mean, I, I think that he's done a really, really good job. I think they've really maximized, um, especially the last three to four weeks of last season, because I've never been a huge Spencer Rattler fan. Um, but and, and he was extremely streaky for the better part of, of last season. And then all of a sudden, as we know, those last three weeks, he looked like an entirely different guy, an entirely different guy. So I think his confidence level going in and his experience probably gives gives them reason for optimism. But I don't know if I if I think that they're a you know a, a nine win ten win type of team yet. I don't think they're there in recruiting. You know they're they're not playing. Uh, with, with Georgia's guys or Alabama's guys, maybe even LSU's guys. Um, and I don't know if they're playing with Tennessee's guys right right now. And so I think they've overachieved. And I think that is a reflection of their head coach and kind of his blue-collar, pale type of approach, which comes directly from his dad. Sure. Um, focused on the details, focused on the kicking game. Every play matters, but you can't worry about the last one. Got to go on to the next one. Like all of those things that you have to be really, really good at when you take the field and you're not as talented as somebody else. That's, that's what Mark Stoops has done such a good job. I look at South Carolina and I kind of see a similar track, a similar trajectory with now. Now, Shane did not inherit a dumpster fire like Mark did. I mean, right. Mark Stoops inherited a 2-10 and 10 team that would, was a really bad football team. But I see similarities. I see the trajectory. I see the emphasis on toughness and discipline and all those sorts of things. Because, again, if you want to beat somebody that you're quote-unquote not supposed to beat, if they got better players than you, you've heard me say this 100 times, you're going to have to play your best, and they're going to have to do something to help you, right? And I think Shane Beamer's done that. He maximized those types of situations. Who has more talent in 2023, MSU, South Carolina, or it's a push? Ooh, um... That might be a push. I think Mississippi State's got a lot more experience returning, though. Yeah, especially, like you said, at that quarterback position and the defensive side of the football. Quarterback and the defensive front, yep. Yeah. That's big. And I think hiring David Turner and Will Friend in the line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. two guys that have been around the league for a long time, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Good hires? Great hires. Great hires. I I mean, I think Will Friend is one of the – uh, the, the better offensive line guys in college football right now. Yeah. 
Auburn had a lot more explosive plays on the ground than I thought, even though they had a rough year last year. I think he did everything he could, considering everything was burning down around him. All right. Well, yeah, and they're playing with two hands behind their back because the quarterback couldn't throw the football. Right, right. I, which, by the way, I think Freeze will make Ashford like a hundred times be better. Fun to watch that, is it? Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that experiment. You know, and you know what? If if Robbie Ashford comes out of this thing and rises to the occasion, that kid deserves a lot of credit, not just physically, but mentally, to withstand the scrutiny and the criticism and the downright. I guess you could say ugliness on the internet that he was exposed to and, and subjected to last year. That kid's a mentally tough kid. That's true. Who's the L? It just slipped my mind. Who's the LSU kid? He's he's competing against transfer. TJ Finley. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's TJ Finley. Yeah, I mean, we 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 know exactly what TJ Finley is. I think Holden Gariner will be competing with Robbie Ashford before TJ Finley will. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you heading to Athens? Uh, yeah, heading to Athens with my boy uh, on Thursday. I just went up to Eastern Kentucky and that state, and we're on spring break right now, and I'm between XFL games, and I, I rarely get to go, you know, on unofficial visits or things of that nature, and this is kind of new for my son, too, so it's neat. So I'll get a chance to see Kirby and Will and Del McGee, who is a running back coach yeah. here. He was our starting corner. He was our starting corner in the XFL in 2001. Incredible. <laughs> well, make yeah. sure to prepare yourself to eat off the floor if you're in the football building. Oh, well, dude, I'll, 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 I'll lick it clean. <laughs> Tom Luganville on the Out of Bounds Show. See you, Lukes. He joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Oh, man. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN, brought to you by the Premium Cigars from Havana Smoke Shop in Jackson, I-55 North. And at the reservoir across from from Shaggy's. Havana Smoke Shop is the place to go in the Jackson Metro for premium cigars like Rocky Patel's and La Florida Minicana's. And, uh, ooh, the San Latano Bull. That's one that I stumbled on the last couple of uh, months. Fantastic cigar at Havana Smoke Shop. Hour number three coming up.